We should tell the listener about your recent surgery. I mean, I got my wisdom teeth removed. Hello. I guess that's a surgery. Yeah, it is legitimately. Today, a woman you were work, put out. I was. Put, you were punched. I was. <laughs> they punched me, and I woke up thirty minutes later, and I all my teeth were gone, all of them. And she said to me, "Where are my teeth?" <laughs> I did. I did say. You did. Did they get all of them? Yeah, I picked Becca up, which was. An honor and a blessing because she kept on telling me about how most people act weird, but she wasn't acting weird at all. And then at one point pointed to her forehead and was like, I always think in a content. And then she took a vlog for our listeners. <laughs> yeah. It's eight minutes. Nobody will ever get to see it. There are parts where like blood is coming out of her mouth. It's horrifying. It's and I'm driving and you can hear me trying to keep it together. It's very good. Yeah. Um, All vlogs should be eight minutes long and involve long portions where the camera is pointed at the ceiling. <laughs> where, where I forget that I'm filming. It's true authenticity. Yeah. Uh, there was a woman I work with today was like, does your jaw feel any better? And I was like, yeah, it's getting better slowly. And she was like, so why did you get them removed? And I was like... <laughs> Why did I get my, like, wisdom teeth removed? And she was like, yeah, why did you do it? And I was like, well, they were growing, like, into my other teeth. And she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, most people get their wisdom teeth it's removed. Like, what, it's I'm, not uncommon. It's not like it's cosmetic. Right. I was so baffled She's by like, the you're beautiful the way you are. <laughs> uh, I love when, like... Like, the wisdom teeth conversation is very much like, it's a script, and we all follow it. Yeah. Oh, how many? Oh, were they impacted? Oh, mine were impacted. Oh, it <laughs> yeah. was a really long story. The amount I know, the, the amount I've learned about all of my friends' teeth in the past week. I know. When we were just sitting at her house, and everyone was like, no, I got one that goes sideways. <laughs> like, <laughs> But there's a set script, and when someone deviates from that script, it gets kind of alarming. <laughs> Like, yeah. oh, why? And you're like, a uh, doctor told me to. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I pulled out the statistic, like, 90% of Americans get them removed. <laughs> when it's above 80%, I shouldn't have to explain myself. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, I'm obsessed. Well, I'm glad you didn't die. I am, too. Does anyone ever die during wisdom teeth surgery? Probably. Oh, now I have new fear unlocked. Surgery terrifies me. Yeah. Like, so, so, no, so much. Every time I'm sick, I'm like, oh, no. What if I go to the doctor and I have to have a surgery? Yeah, no, literally. That's because well, anesthesia can addle your brain. Yes. It's not. Plural. No bueno. My, my sinuses, if they don't clear up with antibiotics. You're going to have to do. Because there's probably, like, a physical blockage. A surgery. <sighs> you can get a nose job while you're at it. I don't need a nose job. <laughs> no, I like my nose. nose. Nice. I'm sorry. Can I they... was kidding. <laughs> Could they make my mouth bigger? <laughs> want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> I wanted to be able to take a normal bite of a cheeseburger. Oh, cheeseburger sounds so good, Deacon. <laughs> When's the last time you had a cheeseburger? Uh-huh. I mean, if you do a McDonald's one and you eat it, it would right fit. away. Yeah, it would fit. And it would be fine. It would be soft enough is what I'm thinking. That's... I could not fit a whole McDonald's cheeseburger in my mouth. At my best, I could probably fit a whole McDonald's cheeseburger in my mouth. <laughs> I'm not at my best right now. <laughs> not at your worst, at your best. At my best. Well, you know, 
you remember when you were like, could you fit your fist in your mouth? And oh, I was like, yeah. oh, maybe. And then I almost did it. And then I was like, we're going to not do this right now. <laughs> so we, we, we don't know yet. Maybe someday I will. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. What is a good segue well, into I, the topic for today? I was glad that you didn't die. Oh, uh huh. Because if I had died, you would have had to do a funeral. Which yeah, you, is a... that would fall on you. That responsibility would be yours to get. <laughs> That's actually in your will. It says it doesn't say my name, which is weird. It says my podcast co-host, which yeah, so is if wild. If I ever start a podcast with another person, it's going to be really difficult to tell what my well, wishes were. If you start a podcast with another person, that's the end of our friendship. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's like a breakup, but worse. Well, no, but I would continue this one. Oh, good. Okay. I would have it in addition, too. Oh, okay. I'd become a po- podcast magnate. Well, you have you have so much free time. I have so much free time. It's not even funny how much free time Scheduling I have. Scheduling this is so easy. Mm-hmm. I'm sweating. I said the word schedule, and I got, like, clammy. <laughs> I'm so tired of scheduling I'm just things. so busy. I've never... Whoops. <laughs> I've never been somebody... I just, like, whacked my hand into the microphone because I was hair flipping when I said busy. But I've never been somebody who's been, like, genuinely so busy that I have to say no to things. No, same. I like, I always on... fit stuff in, but I, I... It's physically, like, temporally impossible. Yeah, well, people keep on being, like oh, could you help me with this? Or could you proofread this paper? And I'm like... You don't know how much I want to do that. I would love to. But you know what I can't do? That. Mm -hmm. Sorry. From 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., I have every hour of my day booked. So if you died... Yes. And I had to plan your funeral. Yes. Because that's my job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As your Mm co-host. We would be performing, which this makes it sound a little spooky, Mm -hmm. a death ritual. Halloween is coming. Oh, yeah, that's why I'm doing this. I forgot. Yeah, but that's... Topical. We are so good at this. What a mm, dream team. <laughs> so we'd be performing a death ritual. We'd be performing that's all a that death ritual. Are. Mm-hmm. That's all culturalized grieving is just a death ritual. Okay, so Tegan, what is a death ritual? It's basically just grieving within a culturally acceptable manner. Could you be more specific? Yes, 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 yes. Hi everyone, my name's Tegan, and welcome to Be More Specific, where an entomologist, me, and a film student, me, (laughs) I say we keep it in, (laughs) we won't be cowards, walk into a a booth, a podcast, honey, walk into a podcast and walk out with a question answered, I already told you my name's Tegan. My name's Becca. Yeah, I already say your name is this is the Becca? song that never ends? <laughs> it goes on and on. It just starts. My lo- friends. Our intro just starts looping. <laughs> I feel like we've That's accidentally we do. done similar things yeah. and actually released it before. Because we're professionals. Uh huh. In on the joke every time. Every time. Um. Did you know why do we sleep has performed like outperformed every other episode? By how much? It's like 55 plays and everything else is like 30, 20. That's so interesting. Why do people, why do you people care about sleep? not very many plays. I mean, death is kind of like sleep. Yeah. What do we believe about death? (laughs) What do you mean, we? Like. Like the the podcast. Is it the end? Are we afraid of it? (laughs) 
Is that something that we're going to examine today? A little bit, yeah. Okay, so the first concept I kind of wanted to go into was just the idea of grief, which is super fun and lighthearted. It can be. (laughs) It can be. Uh, resident grief expert over here, Rebecca Page. Oh, can I say your last imagine, name? I, yes, kidding. everybody knows it. But imagine if I went on, like, The Bachelor and, and like, my little job description was just orphan. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past the producers. No. I see wacky stuff down there all the well, time. Well, there's sometimes it's, like, orphan and then some of them are, like, lives in mom's basement. And you're yeah. like, what? It's so funny. It's like, you know. And then also accountant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... <laughs> Remember that one where it was Pilot Pete and all of theirs said it was like one girl's like, oh, I'm different because I'm a flight attendant. And mm-hmm. then like every other girl after that was a flight attendant. Yeah, there were three flight attendants or something. That was the best gag was <laughs> playing her interview where she's like, I'm special because I'm a flight attendant and then making us immediately hate her. Yeah. yeah. Editing. Editing. Makes reality TV. It's also the sponsor of this podcast. Huh? <laughs> Editing. Oh, just as a concept? Fix our mistakes. (laughs) Okay, so mourning and grief are the function. Mourning is the function for death rituals to, like, become a thing. Like, if we didn't care when things died, we wouldn't have rituals. We wouldn't do anything about it, right? People would Mm -hmm. die and we'd just be like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. Which is... Which is what we do during wartime. Yeah. no, No other time. And with some strangers, but not all. Yeah. Which we'll kind of get to. Grief. This is, okay, so psychology professor John Archer, who wrote a book called The Nature of Grief, said, Grief, in its most basic form, represents an alarm reaction set off by a des- an alarm reaction set off by a deficit signal in the behavioral system underlying attachment. Basically, like, You've if you- lost an attachment. Yeah. So you freak out. And that's important. And so it's an alarm system in where, like, well, because think about, like, the grief of, like, losing a friend or a relationship mm-hmm. can be just as deep as someone dying. Well, like, there's just there's just an absence of something that you used to have. Even, That's something – you've seen Fleabag. Yeah. Which is an incredible show, and I recommend yes. it to everybody who is above the age of 13. And there's just – the first season, she, the main character is, like, dealing with, like, the death of her – best friend and she says something about how like she had all of this love for her and now she doesn't know where to put it yes where does it go yeah (laughs) well and that's even with institutions or even like leaving high school yeah there's a kind of grief and like you're just losing something yeah a loss of an attachment which that's actually a really interesting way of like simplifying it Right. Grief makes sense also with an evolutionary mm-hmm. concept, because that's what my brain does. Right. I think of anything. I'm like, well, what's the why is this here? Is there an evolutionary reason oh, for it to yeah. persevere? Basically, attachment is a mechanism that from a neurobiological point of view in social animals allows for greater success, whether that be reproductive or just general I like don't know. being in packs, successful. Yeah, you each can allocate like different responsibilities to different animals. Yeah, protectors. Even and... attachment. If if I had a baby and I had no attachment to it, mm-hmm. that would be detrimental to the species. Yeah, no, that's true. So it's important, and maybe it's a byproduct. Maybe it's in order for us to create attachments to babies, f- to our young, 
it necessitates a whole web of attachments elsewhere mm-hmm. for the support of, you know, the next generation. Yeah, like, is there a world in which it's possible to have an attachment to something and not feel grief when it's gone? Exactly. It's like, is the attachment, is mm-hmm. grief endemic to any attachment? Well, and it seems to be with a lot of, like, so there's two different kinds of reproductive strategies, mm-hmm. R and K. Okay, so we are K. K means, K reproductive strategy strategies entail a large amount of time, effort, and energy put into each offspring. So, like, humans, they're not, like, able to be on their own until they're, like, 14, right? Yeah. Legally, yeah. 18, culturally 18, but biologically about 14 right. is when they can start to really take care of themselves. Some argue younger. And then our species are things like bacteria, a lot of insects. There's no maternal care. There's no paternal you care. You birth and then you... Leave. Yeah. Or die. <laughs> More likely die. Yeah. Or some. this also includes spiders who have their babies and then their babies eat them. Mm, that's interesting. Which is interesting because that's also like the ultimate sacrifice, right? But like, I don't know. So that's something as well where it's like, could... So do you think that all K reproductive species experience grief? grief? Yes. And well, I have stuff about this. It's so interesting. Okay. So this is also why things like being willing to die in a war or in a conflict, Mm -hmm. that sense of attachment to a country or an identity Mm -hmm. is so weird. Because the perspective that like, from like an an individual perspective, that doesn't make sense. But when you look at like the higher like evolutionary... And, like, social hierarchy that we all fall into. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, just seeing, like, which alignments will prevail put when placed in different situations where it's, like, would you pick between, like, your spouse or your child? Would you pick yep. between your spouse or your country, your mom or your country, your country or... Yeah, it's just, like, yeah. you have all of these different attachments. And there are situations where, like, some have to come above others. And it's just interesting to see, like, when they conflict i guess yeah when they conflict and then i feel like that's and it's like i it is interesting that that's also oftentimes an individual thing yeah it's just well it's also like things like a lot of film i feel like what it comes down to is which attachment like a lot of conflict in media is which attachment's stronger your personal identity or mm-hmm. your external identity mm-hmm. your you know do you want like marriage story right where it's like which is more important, your attachment to your spouse or your attachment to, like, your individual well-being, individual even? Individual well-being or your career or yeah. your family unit, unit, California. Yeah. That is really interesting. If Is all conflict, does grief. it come down to attachment? Yeah, which then like comes down to grief. if you're breaking it down into parts. That's so interesting. And an avoidance you of feeling grief. You just came up with a new theory. I should write a paper. <laughs> Deal. Do it. become famous. Do it and then put in me in the acknowledgement. film theory segments of the population. With COVID, grief has changed as well. There's been some studies done and also just a lot of, like, think pieces. But basically, like, the general – I don't know if you felt this, but at the beginning of the pandemic, I had this constant shroud over me, mm-hmm. the knowledge that people were dying – Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do anything about it. And that, like, grief, that loss of attachment to, like, this greater whole. I've definitely read some of these think pieces. Yeah, well, and it also talks about, like, online memorials Yeah, is now a thing. So, like, which kind of normalizes, which I think is good. 
a way to process this like just deep unending grief that you can't really do anything about. Do you think that besides get vaccinated aid in like processing? Yes, definitely. Okay. I think so. Even things like so there were some examples of like Animal Crossing in game memorials, which people did for like parents. Yeah. Didn't you do one? No. For no. What who was it? I think Jenny might have been like, oh, this is like for mom or something. I don't know. I don't know. We can get that out. But like <laughs> people are making memorials. In oh, game. oh no, yeah, you're right. I do have a graveyard on my Animal Crossing yeah. island. Yeah, and I yeah. added another okay, gravestone when my mom died. Oh my goodness, I just forgot about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's been a while since I visited my island. It's, it sounds so morbid, but like it wasn't to me. It was just kind of like, oh, well, remembering my mom. It's important to you. Yeah. I have, this, this is kind of my version of an online memorial. I had a friend in high school who completed suicide and I have her phone number still in my phone yeah. as remember and then her name. And so sometimes I'm scrolling through my contacts and it's a nice way. Like, I don't get like overwhelmed, but it's a nice way to be like, okay. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, that's all a memorial is. Right. It's just a way to go. Okay. Well, the whole idea of like, oh yeah, memorial memory, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it's just so interesting that it's like important to the people who are left behind. Just like the memory Mm -hmm. ends up being what's important. And yeah. Because it's all you have left, but it's just like... Well, because I feel like if you dwell too long on the absence, yeah, then that hurts. So why not dwell on the memory? Right. right. That is interesting. Something they also talked about was, so all of these online things are changing the way we grieve. A lot of the death rituals we'll talk about are still performed to some degree, but they're disappearing. And it's not necessarily like, oh, you know, increased westernization is destroying these practices it's just time changes death rituals in a very organic way always has um things like ebola the plague etc etc have changed in the past specifically just like body preparation and a lot of the more nitty-gritty stuff and Mm -hmm. then it ends up having an effect on the rituals that makes sense yeah it's just it's interesting to think that we're in a point in time where cultural attitudes towards death will forever be different because of a pandemic. Yeah, that this was like a big inciting factor. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, I imagine there must have been similar like shifts after like world wars. Oh, 100%. And also like... It like it became, at some point it becomes unrealistic to bury everybody. Yeah. So all you do is just put up like signs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Symbols. Well, and even like... Not just wars, but even isolated incidents of, like, great tragedy. Mm-hmm. You get, like, weird, not weird, but, like... Or even 9-11, like the 9-11 yeah. memorial, which just has, like, the big absence of a tower. Yeah. <laughs> or even, hole. like, the Pentagon memorial is, there's arrows, there's, like, they're, like, kind of benches. Mm-hmm. And some are pointed towards the Pentagon because there were people who were in it. And some are pointed away because there were people who were on the plane. Like... With, yeah. like, their ages and stuff, too. And just, like, and the it's whole like, idea of, like, creating these memorials to be the most impactful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is so, like, just using artistic and, like, design theories to make it, like, literally memorable. But anyway, that's sort of, it's just interesting, the concept of mourning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just <clears throat> mourning concept yeah. of. I feel like that's a lot of our podcast is just being like, hmm death have you thought of it well death is also like when you think of death Mm -hmm. i personally think 
funerals, memorials, flowers. I think of all the cultural aspects. Right. And maybe like a skull and crossbones, right? But I'm not immediately. And as someone who's interested in decomposition processes and like, you know, insect inhabitants post-death, I'm interested in that. But my first thoughts are still mostly cultural. Yeah. Well, when I think death, I think of like generally like how it affects the people who are like who are left behind which basically. is i mean that's the only context that you can really experience it yeah yeah which i guess that's probably not true of some of people who haven't like experienced deaths in the family or just like just very much like loss in that way in their life i do wonder what like the first thing that comes to mind is if it's literally like gravestones and such mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's interesting. I'm very much, I'm, I don't know, I always did the sitting in the shower imagining what my funeral would be like thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably a part of where all that comes from. Because mm-hmm. that's where those, like, neural pathways are yeah. most trodden. <laughs> <laughs> the word funeral comes from Latin funus, which means all kinds of things. It literally means corpse. It also means body. It also means death. It also means funerals themselves. Like, it's just kind of an all-purpose end-of-life word, which is interesting as well. So this is where I'm going to talk about animals. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a little sad. Like how, oh, I mean, no, go for it. Um, Yeah. So these are all, notably, all the animals I'm going to talk about are what I talked about earlier, where they're K species, K reproductive strategists. So they put a lot of effort into raising their young. On October 10th, 2003, a researcher who had been following some elephants watched a female elephant named Eleanor collapse. Her For a while, she had been sick. She had had, like, a swollen trunk, and her ears were just not doing great. Her One of her tusks were broken. She had just obviously been through the ringer, was nearing the end. An elephant named Grace, a member of a different social group, galloped towards Eleanor and tried to have Eleanor back to her feet, or... And tried to, like, help her, like, to heave her up. But Eleanor's back legs were too weak. So the rest of the herd moved on. But Grace remained with Eleanor at least another hour until the sun disappeared below the horizon and night fell. Eleanor died the following morning at 11 a.m. But, like, Grace stayed. The other elephant. Wow. And then the next day, the carcass was visited by five other elephant groups. Wow. Not just her family, but other ones too, including several families that were completely unrelated to her. Huh. The elephant sniffed. So word got around. Yeah. The carcass was like poked, sniffed, and even though it had been visited by like jackals, hyenas, vultures, and other, and was under the control of lions by the fourth day. They still kept on coming. The elephants kept on coming during daylight hours and at least visiting from a distance. Wow. Since interest in the carcass was not just limited to Eleanor's relatives, which is what they thought would be, right? Because evolutionarily, you'd think it would be mm-hmm. isolated to your social group or your relatives. The scientists tentatively concluded that elephants have a generalized response to the dead. So there's been more research done, and that seems to be accurate. But it's still like... I don't know. It's a way to look at ourselves as animals as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, humans, you don't have to know somebody personally to be affected by their death, especially if it affects some like a friend of a friend, friend even of a friend. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I've 100 percent had, you know, someone is explaining like, yeah, this and this happened to my friend. And I'll get like so worked up over like the unfairness of death mm-hmm. that it makes me like very, very sad, you mm-hmm. know. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't cry for that one. Eleanor, she's just so nice. 
face. <laughs> like just being an old elephant mm-hmm. and you're just trying, mm-hmm. you know. Ugh. Yeah. Dolphins will guard their dead as well, which actually originally was just researchers would be like, we're following these pods and a dolphin dies and then we can't get the dead dolphin because they want to like see how it died. Right. Mm-hmm. But the dolphins guard it until it's pretty much decomposed or has sunk. How do they guard it? Like if a researcher comes that like ram into boats or so circle around it. So they in the same area? Yeah. Wow. Um, a dead dolphin calf. So they found a dead dolphin calf was spotted by another group of scientists near the Canary Islands in April 2001, but was also surrounded by several other dolphins, one of whom who was assumed to be the mother. By the third day, the calf was floating on the surface, and on the fourth day, it was starting to decay. They didn't attempt to recover the body because the mom was still, like, circling it, and they didn't want to cause her, like, duress. Mm -hmm. But whenever a seabird attempted to approach the floating calf, it would be chased away by the other dolphins who were protecting it. Like, I'd assume, like, for the mother. It's so interesting that, like, once something dies, like, they're not there anymore. Yeah. It's literally a body. Yeah. And, like, I think that it's fair to, like, conceive bodies to be, like, precious just because of what they once contained. But for an animal to also see it that way is very, very interesting. Yeah. It's orcas. They don't stay in one spot with the calf. There's actually, there's, it's haunting footage, in my opinion, of a mom orca. She pushed, she pushed her baby with her nose Mm -hmm. for like a couple days. Just insane. Kept on pushing it and swimming. Mm -hmm. And then there's the question of like, well, does, does it just not know? Right. But it seems to be like they're, because they're, it's not just... They're doing the same thing as normal, but they're bringing the baby with them. Mm-hmm. Like, their their normal habits have changed. Right. Which, in my opinion, puts it into the classification of a death ritual as opposed to just, like, a one-time response. Because it seems to be similar every other time, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, do animals have culture, I guess? <laughs> right. What's behavior? What's culture? Yeah, why are death rituals... Yeah, how is culture different from behavior, even in humans? Yeah. Just group behavior, I guess. Yeah. Which makes it culture? Yeah, I guess. Group behavior that's, like, generally agreed upon, maybe? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay, weirdly enough, so I started going into, like, monkeys and stuff. Chimpanzees, when their baby dies, will just pretend it's not Mm -hmm. and will continue to groom the body until it decays to the point of unrecognizability. Cool. There is a video... There's so many videos. It's it's of some chimpanzees that were being monitored. And the baby mom keeps it on her chest. She keeps on grooming it. There's thoughts that maybe the grooming mechanism is to, like, slow decomposition. Whoa. And then there's also, like, there's video of, like, other juveniles in the group like carrying the baby up the trees with them and Mm -hmm. one juvenile carries the baby up the tree at the dead body and drops it and then runs down and carries it back up and drops it again and so then it's like what you trying to get it to react or yeah are you is are you looking for a reaction are you looking for are you just having fun i have literally never considered how animals would treat their dead (laughs) yeah well it's 
Like insects I just, just eat that it they usually. Would just leave it behind, right? But no. Well, in monkeys, they stay in the same area. Mm-hmm. So if a baby dies in the nest site, wow, that's where it is. And then so inevitably, what happened with this one was it basically was mummified because it was so continually cleaned. Um, and continually carried and aerated, basically, (laughs) (laughs) that it, like, it became pretty much unrecognizable. It's pretty disturbing. Mm -hmm. It'll be in the sources, but, like, don't feel like you need to watch it. It kind of ruined my night. It's just rough, and I'm pretty okay with, like, corpses and stuff, but there's just something about, and also, like, the unknown of it all. It's not like, oh, we know they do this because of X, Y, Z. We know they do, it's like, we don't know if this is loving or hateful, like, we don't know if there's a capability either way for both of those things. And, mm-hmm. like, the mom gets, like, sad. Right. And there's, like, questions of, like, okay, is the continual grooming a method of, like, grief management? Because even if, like, baby is, like, mangled, she'll carry it for a little bit. Notably, less long if it's mangled than if it's perfectly fine. So then there's a question of, like... So they recognize something's wrong? Well, there's a question of, like, humans are more distraught if their baby dies suddenly in their sleep right. because they look perfect and it's kind of hard yeah to deal with that kind of disconnect mm-hmm. so it does make sense that like closure would be easily found due to like a horrible accident i suppose right i don't know it's this is all hearsay but like right. yeah there's no way to know <laughs> what the chimpanzees are thinking right okay so now humans the other chimpanzees. Just kidding. I watch a lot of Ask a Mortician because I love her and she's fun and death is interesting. And she talks a lot about like the funeral complex and like the death industry mm-hmm. has kind of made grief and like reconciliation harder to come to. And like we're so distanced from death that we're more uncomfortable with it than we used yeah. to be. Well, when somebody dies, you're so preoccupied with what to like do with the body and like what to make of their last will and testament that it's hard to get the chance to even like and it's not just what to do with the body what to do it's also school it's also work it's also rent it's also like yeah and like you have all of your own stuff to do with too yeah mourning is not a full-time job well mourning is a full-time job but it's treated as if it's something you can do outside of business hours right like you get your work done you deal with the last will and testament you organize the funeral you da da da, and then later you cry. Like it's kind of this weird yeah. Like when do disconnect. you when do you get the opportunity to cry? Yeah, like yeah. at the funeral. That's it. Yeah, for most people. Yeah, it's so sad. That's um, just yeah. That's so. And that is something that's interesting to think about. I saw, I saw something about how there's like a company that's go that's go trying to institute a four month maternity leave, mm. which cool i support that but then i saw some comments that were like when are we getting this for like the death of a relative or like the ending of somebody's life if you're if you're like parent is going into hospice care or something like you should get the same benefits for the end of a life as for the beginning beginning. i just thought that was really interesting i had never even considered that but it makes it makes a whole lot of sense it can be like hard Yeah, it's it's really difficult, and there are, like, a lot of technical things that you have to deal with and figure out that it is – it would be cool to have that a lot of time. Even even a short break, because right as it is right now – Yeah, even a week or two. You literally get funeral, maybe. Yeah, like a day off. Maybe. Maybe. Sometimes it's, oh, go to the funeral, then come back in. Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen, and Mm -hmm. it's pretty – 
pretty disgusting. Yep. No, 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 I quit my job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like... Because you can't. Like, what are you supposed to do? Just keep on... I know it's like, oh, just keep on going in. Like, just face reality again or whatever. And it's like, reality can wait. You can grieve. Mm -hmm. It's obviously gestures wildly at notes. It's obviously like a biological need. Necessity. Yeah. We've evolved to need to grieve. Right. So why are we trying to cut it out now? Like, is capitalism so important that our attachment to, like, our fellow humans have been put on the back burner? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, well, the answer, are we being idealistic? Yeah. Or are we considering the state of the world? We used to be more involved in, like, the caring of our loved one's bodies, which Mm -hmm. was, like, a method of getting closure. Like, we talked about with the monkey where it's kind of like... If you don't see the body, if you don't really understand, it can be hard Mm -hmm. to come to a conclusion. And culturally, we've had this weird, it's kind of new, this like dismissal of death Mm -hmm. instead of being like, oh, it is just a body. It is just a vessel. vessel." It's like they're dead, but I don't want to see it. I don't want to interact with it. I want to move on. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be really hard. In Victorian England, death kits were common, basically, along with your tea sets and your cribs and all other things girls were given to, like, learn how to be housekeepers, right? Um, They also had funeral things, allowing Hmm. them to play pretend as they laid their dolls to rest. That's super interesting. Yeah, like a funeral shroud, black mourning clothes, and then a baby-sized coffin were pretty common. I... Hmm. I wonder if that's healthy. Like, genuinely, I I wonder, like, maybe... Like, it truly might be healthy. I think it would be. Well, especially... Yeah, it's always awkward trying to, like, explain to kids what death is. But it doesn't have to be. In Victorian England, there's a very high likelihood you have a couple siblings who didn't make it. Right. And you're probably, if you're going to have kids, most of them probably aren't going to make it either. Right. So I feel like you kind of have to come to terms with the idea of, like, Mm -hmm. not just death, but infant death. Yeah. Truthfully, I could totally do a whole episode on children and death because there is so much, like, so much research on how to how to best broach the topic. And the general consensus is kids understand it innately. Yeah. But you have to teach them young enough. Yeah. Because if you don't, they weird stuff happens. And then a lot of times well, the also, problem is other kids. If you into any conversation with a child and like blow it up to mean something huge like that's how they're going to treat it forever yeah or for a very long time so you just have to like you just have to not do that well and just start (laughs) with the basics like you don't have to teach a kid you know exactly your own beliefs about like the afterlife you can just say it's the sesame street episode have you seen the sesame street episode episode 1839 is the story of when Will Lee died in, he was a character on Sesame Street. Hmm. His name was Mr. Hopper, who was a beloved character and had been there since the first episode. So at first, the executive producer had said, well, if we just don't say anything, kids will notice. So we need to, like, do something, basically. Mm -hmm. One way was to avoid the issue of death. So they were saying maybe he could... Move away. Move away, go somewhere else. Maybe you could retire or whatever. And so they talked a lot and they did research into like child psychology. And the producers decided that it would be better if the character died too Mm -hmm. and just talk about it. 
and they they referred to a lot of child psychologists and they were told basically like don't use words like pass away you you should say exactly what happened mm-hmm. don't try to because kids don't get that they don't know what that means they don't know that that's a stand-in for another Mm -hmm. concept so the message according to producers was mr hooper died he won't be coming back and we are all going to miss him which is like that's such a succinct idea of like what is death yeah they are gone yeah we will miss them Mm -hmm. so big bird thinks that mr hooper will return later Mm-hmm. So he's, like, waiting for him. Like, they they say to Big Bird, like, Mr. Hooper died. He's not going to be back. And then Big Bird's, like, waiting for him. And so then first Big Bird shows, like, he doesn't understand it. And he switches to his own needs, saying, like, who's going to take care of the store? Who's going to make me birdseed milkshakes and tell me stories? And the other adults reassure him that everything will be okay, but Big Bird says it won't be the same. So, oh, I'm going to cry. So Bob, who's also a character addresses Big Bird's concern and says, you're right, Big Bird. It will never be the same without him. But you know something? We can all be very happy that we all had a chance to be with him and love him a lot when he was here. That's very good. Right? So it, like, some people responded to it who were really upset that they, like, how dare you, you know, explain death to children. But the general consensus was actually, like, most people were happy. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of letters that were like, thank you. Now we can, like, now we have the words to explain what happened to grandma. That sort of thing. Yeah. Like, that. the child psychologists were like, you have to address it more than once. Yeah. Because kids don't get it. it comes with, like, object permanence. Yeah. It's like the absence, like, the absence of something is permanent. Well, because that's, mom disappears. And I guess every time a baby cries because mom's gone, are they experiencing grief? Maybe because it's not conceivable to them that someone could exist outside of their limited yeah purview. That's so interesting. See, and I then don't I'm know. like, should I be a psychologist? No. The answer is no. No, <laughs> I don't think I would be a very good psychologist. I think that you'd be a good psychologist. Thank you. That's very kind. Of I you. think that you'd be good at most things that you try. <laughs> the bugs are. So... I don't think that psychology is the thing to do for you, but <laughs> like you'd be good at it. I've sunk so much time into flies. Everything else has to be bad. That There's... is kind of... okay. Now we're going to talk about some historical things. Okay. The oldest funeral. The oldest known. Death ritual. Thought to be death ritual. Right. Is an intentional burial site in is Kafze in Israel, which dates back to 10,000 years ago. Mm. Um, it's a bunch of humans, corpses, of buried deliberately buried in a cave. Their remains were placed in coffins with various burial items, such as garments, trinkets, and food. Okra residue suggests that the remains were painted ceremoniously before being put in the coffins, and a huge feast was prepared, so there's, like, food with them as well. 10,000 years ago? Mm-hmm. Dang. Although most people were buried in groupings such as families, some sites, so it's within this cave system, it's, mm-hmm. the word literally just means precipice. It's just, it, they call it, it's a prehistoric archaeological site, which is such a wild pre... Prehistoric is a stupid term. I know. I just like it. It makes me excited when I hear yeah. it. So some, some sites have, so some of the different, like, cave systems have sites set aside only for children, which, 
funerals or funerals now uh, a lot of cemeteries now have children only sections really yes did not know that there is one in santa maria that there was probably like a two-year period where every time my mom would drive past it she would like sob oh my gosh because it just like well they had all of these like each gravestone well, had an angel over it. I can't think of anything that's it. more, like, blatant. <laughs> yeah, just, like, brute force and there punching was like, the gut. Look at all this. Look, there were, like, pinwheels and stuff. Oh, my And gosh. it was, like, no. And, like, you know how people leave, like, toys? Yeah. <sighs> that's me. That's my soul leaving my body. Mm-hmm. Now I'm dead and you have to deal with it. Oh, my. Coffins were stacked. Remains would be pushed aside to make rooms for new ones. And sometimes the coffins on the bottom would collapse under the weight of those above. So they would just kind of Yikes. keep on adding to the cave. Oh, my. Which makes it... In, it's interesting to me because it's not like... I don't know. We kind of think of burial sites as being sacred in and of themselves. Yeah. But it's almost this: the sacredness comes from the function as opposed to the form. Yes. Like, the fact bodies are there is what makes it yeah. a burial ground as opposed to marble or... High ceilings or, right. I don't know, inscriptions. Or even just, like, the process yeah, is what's important. Like, they clearly went through all of this ritual of put of burying each person with, like, specific items that were meaningful to them. But, like, after that, the items don't serve a function. Yeah. It's just... Well, that's estate sales where it's like, oh, these were all things that someone spent their whole life collecting. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, collecting, sometimes I have, like, a mini existential crisis about it. Because it's, like, it's just stuff. Just stuff? It's just stuff. Why does it make people happy? I have stuff that makes me happy. I actually want to do what an episode on collections. What will happen after I die? Because it's such a human thing. Yeah, well, because it's also, I think most people would like their collections to go somewhere where people appreciate it. But most people don't. Yeah. Goes to the dump. Like. Yeah. Because it's just stuff. Or split up, which and can stuff, remove like, the value. The meaning is removed for most things when, like, the owner is gone. That's whole the entomology. are gone. Even, like, historical collections, so entomological specimens. Sometimes someone dies and we go to look at all of their bugs that they've spent years of their life yeah, curating. Yeah, and you have no clue and there's why no data. it's helpful yeah, and you're like, or meaningful. This is a grasshopper on a pin. Yeah. There is no information on it. I guess it's garbage. Right. Like... Maybe when you don't have context alive. for it, it stops being meaningful. Yeah. Which is, it's it's kind of it's odd sad. to think It's about. like, it's just, oh, another thing that doesn't seem to have inherent value. There is it's, actually. Value is what we assign to things. That's it. There, There's actually in the Bean Museum, when people donate materials, there's a whole box that's just for unlabeled bugs. Mm-hmm. Because without a label, it is absolutely worthless. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just a cool bug. That's it. And so it's just this box of sometimes there's cool stuff in it. Sometimes it's just old vials. And one of the jobs is to get rid of the ethanol and throw the bugs away and clean the tubes for new ones. So interesting. But there's still, you know, hundreds of thousands of probably millions of specimens, actually, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that have information that are still valuable. But, okay, so a piece of this is there's a spiritual significance that you can tell in this, like, cave burial system because the tendency to put graves in hidden areas where there's a lack of light or it's dark is kind of, it's indicative of like a, 
a cultural or like a spiritual consciousness mm-hmm. as opposed to just like better to put bodies away because maybe sick. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I just thought that was interesting. That is. Now I want to cover some unique burials practiced by people now in the world now. And some of these are less commonly practiced, but they are like culturally relevant to mm-hmm. people's funeral potatoes. <laughs> I know, honestly. <laughs> no, so first is sky burial, which have you ever heard of this? Maybe. It's so it's just a general term for a practice where a human corpse is placed on a mountaintop while exposed to the elements or scavenging animals. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's usually associated with Buddhist traditions, specifically Tibetan Buddhism, because it comes from the idea that like your body is a vessel, period. When you're dead, the best thing you can do is return it to the earth. It's the most generous way to die mm-hmm. is to return your your pieces to the earth. Right. There is a job, a monk, there's a type of monk called Roigapayas. I think I said it right. I've looked all these up and I put like pronunciations, but I already can't pronounce most things. Right, for sure. No. But they're known as body breakers and they just disassemble the body. And it's, there's these quotes. Yeah, which like first instinct, it's like, ew. But then yeah. second instinct, I'm like, why is it so <laughs> ew? It serves a purpose, like... Yeah. Well, and it's to make it so that the scavenging animals can take the stuff away easier. Right. So the body breakers, it's been eyewitness accounts. The body breakers did not perform their task with gravity or ceremony, but rather talked and laughed as during any other type of physical labor. According to Buddhist teaching, this makes it easier for the soul of the deceased to move on. I like that. I know. It's just like, yeah, it's just your body. Like, get over it, basically. Yeah. Well, that's also... I feel like... I mean, none of the funerals I've ever been to has it been raining. And it feels like it should be, you know? Yeah, like the because, earth should be sad. Yeah, but I feel like every funeral I've been to has been in the summer. Yeah. So it's been, like, bright outside. And so it's like the world isn't reflecting the gravity of the situation, which always, like, it feels strange. But ultimately, it's like... That's when you're driving to a funeral and you look out the window yeah, and you're why like, is it's it, a beautiful day today. It, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I think important. that's media. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they're just funerals and rituals and things. It's meaningful because of the meaning that we assign to it. Not because of inherent meaning. Just again meaning. and again and again. Yeah, yeah. It's just, which doesn't, I don't think that devalues any of the rituals that are, like, approached with a lot of sanctity and a lot of, like, yeah. intention and like reflection but i do i don't think that viewing funerals as like an inherently like devastating thing is is, is like morally superior in any yeah. way well it's 100 percent just different right different backgrounds well, so i've heard i've heard that there are like different like i don't know like maori tribe and stuff where they they have celebrations of life rather oh, than like we'll get there okay. yeah so part of you're a, gonna want to I know, I know. That's what um, a piece of this is also that it's um, too hard to dig graves in those regions of the world, and that's probably why yeah. traditions like this were enacted. And there's also no timber or limited timber. That makes sense. So, yeah, if you if you want to return to the earth or and you can't burn them and you can't bury them, it's interesting to imagine somebody who's like so sad over the death of like over the death of a loved one and they're like okay we're going to treat this with as much pomp and circumstance as possible i'm going to dig a hole and build them a box and put them in the box in the hole 
And then, like, they yeah. just go, and they're like, oh, we don't have wood. I guess I'll just dig the hole. Oh, the hole is frozen. Guess I can't do that. I, I guess we're just going to set them yeah. for the elements to enjoy. In and the then most... it's like, because you can't go through that whole process, then, like, just the attitude around it shifts. Yeah. I like to imagine that's how it happened. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And it's also, like... I think there's also, like, a connection to, like, wildlife and stuff that's, like, innately part of that. Because mm-hmm. there is also within that Buddhist, Buddhist tradition a lot of focus on, like... Circle of life. Yeah, returning to the circle. And there's... One of the problems right now is that there are less vultures than there used to be. Mm-hmm. And there are more wild dogs. And the wild dogs eat the bodies and then sometimes get diseased. And it's just a bad thing that's been happening. And it mm-hmm. sucks because it's a cultural heritage that's being destroyed. Right. Okay. In Madagascar, the Marina ethnic group practices Fa-Ma-Dian, or the turning of the bones. Every five to seven years, a number of deceased relatives are removed from the crypt. People take their ancestors, peel back the burial garments, rewrap them in new silk threads, and then they dance, converse, talk, drink with their ancestors, literally with their bodies. Whoa. So the idea is to allow them to decompose faster because the in their culture, the faster you decompose, the faster your spirit is released. Hmm. So how it starts is an ancestor appears in a dream to a senior family member and says that they are cold and need new clothes. That's how, like, the <laughs> ritual starts. And basically this just keeps on happening until they're dust. Wow. Yeah. That is... <sighs> That's so interesting. It's a celebration. Like, well, because presumably these bodies, they get, like, smaller and smaller. There's pictures. As the years go on. And so you end up with just, like, a skull that you dance with. Like, well, you end oh, up because they're years wrapped. in. Yeah. Oh. So it kind of keeps the pieces. But then, like, how would it turn into I dust? I believe they later break the... Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, powderize. Okay. But, like... <laughs> but the whole idea of, like... Well, and, and some of it was, like, someone had asked who there was a report and it was, like oh, like, you know, why don't you mourn, basically? And they were like, I mean, if my spirit was stuck stuck around, I wouldn't want to be mourning. Mm -hmm. Like, I would rather have a fun time with my family until I can finally leave this earth. Like, it was just such a... Yeah. It's an interesting... It's kind of similar to to the sky burial as well. Okay, water burial, so specifically, like, Norse funerals. Oh, we all know them. Notably, the whole, like sighting or setting a ship on fire on the water mm-hmm. is more of just like an image oh <laughs> it's not more often they would make a ceremonial boat and then put grave offerings on it and then cover it with dirt and either it would be buried or they would put just like just like this dirt boat out on the water <laughs> there also there was a lot of ritual like rituals and funeral rites involving the cutting of fingernails because Unparred nails from the dead would be used for the completion of the construction of Naglafar, the ship used to transport the dead at Ragnarok. Whoa. Yeah. So they cut their nails to try to, like, aid in the battle in the afterlife. I am just so curious how these traditions came to be. (laughs) I know, right? It's... Like, who suggested it first? (laughs) Yeah. What was he thinking? I think in each of these cultures, the answer is, like, God deity suggested it first too which yeah, is yeah most of these things probably appeared in dreams yeah so fascinating the in india there's the ganges river 
which is basically... Is that the one that just means river, river? Yeah. Okay. But ba- I'm pretty sure, which... Now should I look it up? I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll look it, and if it does, keep it. <laughs> so there's this river where basically in the Hindu religion, you want to be... The most sacred of places to be left is your ashes to be spread on the river. People come from all over to pray, collect sacred water, bathe, and also to attend to their own dead. But in order for your ashes to be scattered, you need wood because you need to be able to burn the bodies. Wood shortages are making this only accessible to the richest. And even then, they're not burning the bodies all the way and partially decomposed, burn like half burned, half decomposed bodies have been seen floating in the river now. Wow. This is, so this is like a direct quote from the article. By 9 a.m., the Indian sun blazed above the Ganges. Three fires were now burning. My hair was covered in ash and I was pouring sweat again. As I walked through the wood-splitting area, an old woman suddenly emerged from the shadows and held out her hand, the international request for money. Raj, guiding us, casually said, She lives here. Her family left her. She has come to die and needs money for cremation. Want to donate some rupees for her wood? Whoa. Just a total, like, it's completely, it's just a different culture. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea that is if you, if you are burned and then your ashes are spread in the river, the better chances that you avoid returning to earth as a cow or as a cricket, which I guess that's, it kept on saying cow and cricket, which I'm <laughs> guessing those are, like, the worst. There's also been a lot of stories about South Korean beads, which is a somewhat modern thing. Basically, they've run out of room to bury people in South Korea. So there's this new trend since 2000 law required anyone burying their dead after 2000, uh, the year 2000, to remove the grade six, to remove the grave 60 years after burial. So basically, you had 60 years to be interned, and then you had to be done away with in some way. So they started taking their relatives' ashes and putting them into shiny beads, which are then placed in trays and display on the home. And there's a couple, like, rival companies. Whoa. But it's, this is That's a so modern ritual. It's just, it's just, like... Born of necessity. Born of necessity and obligatory that you have something. Yeah. It can't be, like, a picture. It has to be, like, part of the body. Yeah, we care about we the care body. We care about the body so much. Okay, and then this is rapid fire. This is the last bit. Filipino traditions, there are so many. I don't know what it is about the Philippines and death, but every single... Well, is that the place that has, like, a thousand different languages? Yeah, there's just so <laughs> much. The Philippines so is just so culturally diverse. It's insane that we consider them one One place. group. Yeah, yeah, there's all these different tribes and then also different, like, cultural groups and just... It, there's so many interesting ones. I selected some of the more interesting, but there's an article that'll be linked that has a lot of, like, a, just a long list of different ones. So the Bengue, I don't know, that's how I would pronounce it, B-E-N-G-U-E-T, if you want to Google it, <laughs> blindfold their disease, deceased for eight days and sit them in a chair outside of their home's entrance. They also tie their arms and legs together in a sitting position. The night before the burial, the elders perform special rituals and chant the deceased's life story, and then they hit bamboo sticks together to send the deceased to heaven. Cool. Yeah. I just like the idea of being like, grandma died, and then you come home and you're like, hi, grandma. And then, but they're also blindfolded, which is like, <laughs> like, why? I, I would love to know. <laughs> the Tinguian dress the deceased in nice clothing and sit them in a chair for several weeks. So similar. Chair. They also will light tobacco between their lips so they can smoke when they're dead. <laughs> That's kind of cute. That's kind of nice. The Cebuano recite the rosary for nine 
days. They have several superstitions. So there's some that are like, you don't sweep the floor of the deceased's home. Instead, you pick up any trash that is left behind. And relatives are not supposed to bathe or comb their hair for the period of nine days. And then at the funeral service, mourners you are not allowed to let their tears fall into the casket. And adult mourners wear black and white and children wear red so ghosts can't find them. Which is... What? I've heard... Ghosts can't see red? Yeah, I guess. They're colorblind. Every ghost. Need this just in. And then when leaving the grave, they walk through smoke so spirits can't follow them. Cool. I feel like that one is very much like... It's almost like... The ghosts are dangerous. Yeah. So we are setting precautions. The Sagata hang their caskets from mountain cliffs and still do today. They believe it brings the deceased closer to heaven. The elderly have also been known to carve their own caskets. I think that's cool. I think it's cool, too. Involvement. Mm -hmm. And then the Cavite has many traditional customs. Some of the more rural people will use trees as burial places. The dying person chooses a tree. Before they die. And then when they become sick or grow very old, a hut is built for them close to the tree. And then when they die, they are entombed vertically inside of the hollowed out tree trunk. Hmm. I feel like... Oh, so they have to hurt the tree. Yeah. In order to put them inside of it. It's not like an eco-burial or anything, but it is... I don't know. I think it's an interesting... It's interesting how much trees come up in death. Yeah, for sure. It's just such a common archetype. But yeah, so that's death rituals. Cool. You didn't really talk about, like, celebration of life thing. Well, that's what the partying is for the the bones. Oh, yeah, you're right. I feel like... Where was that one again? That is Madagascar. Madagascar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I do like the idea of the celebration of life after somebody dies. Well, what else can you do? I don't think that it's, like... Yeah. You know? I don't don't think that it should be... you, You know, there are the people who, like, when some... When somebody loses somebody, they're like, well, like, it's okay. You had, like... It's good that you got to spend time with them while you did, and you have so many great memories with them, and aren't you grateful that they lived at all? And it's like, yes, which is why I am sad now. I very much like the cultures where there's a period of mourning, Mm -hmm. and then there's a period of, like, a memorial service that usually acts as some kind of a celebration, celebration, or at least an honoring of the deceased. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I, I don't know, I kind of appreciate the whole, like, for three days, you wear black. You know? I think that's fine. There's yeah. like a, there's a stability in that. Mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of these rituals come down to as well. It's just like, it is hard to process emotion, period. It is and hard to also, process grief. And it's a lot it's easier if you have. to decide how to process your emotions. Yeah, you don't have to choose. Yeah, if you already have like a set ritual that your culture abides by, that's helpful. If grandma already chose a tree, you just put her in the tree and then you assume she's happy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so it does, easy. It is nice. Rituals make you feel better about the person who's dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They help you come to terms with it. Yeah. And just like assigning motivations to somebody who isn't there anymore is very difficult. So when you have like a cultural expectation already. Of it, their motivations. It is convenient. Yeah. It is just very convenient. Yeah. Well, and it's also like... But this is also, if you are go, if you are anywhere, just just make your wishes known. Yes, that's what I was about to say. Just like, or just I don't ask. care how old you are yeah. or if you're sick or whatever. Just, I don't know. I, most re- I pretty recently called my mom and was like, hey. What do uh, you want? What do you want? Like, Because yeah. if, if you die tomorrow, I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. And so we now have a little document. Yeah, that's important. That's really cool. And it'll help. I know there's going to be a time or, I mean, ideally, I guess my mom dies before me, which is horrible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like. No, yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> Death of a parent is hard. Yeah. Death of a child? Worse. Worse. And I think it's the attachment thing again. Like, yeah. there's just a biological and also instinct just to love your kid. Up. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, like, that's if you are close to your family, if you know you're going to be the one who's going to be put in charge, make your morning easier and ask now. Mm-hmm. And also for yourself, if, like, if you end up having a degenerative illness, you're not going to be able to make those decisions. So it's better to write it down now. Mm-hmm. That's also Ask a Mortician talks a lot about death plans. And even just like if you are able to die from old age, write down how you want to do it. Do you want to be at home? Right. Say that now. Do you want a DNR? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like it's, it, No, it's really important stuff. Like personal experience. We won't get into it, but just like... It's important. Yeah. Especially. <laughs> Make your wishes known. Death is death is a crazy business. It's hard enough already. And people are going to try to be getting money out of you at every turn. So why not just set yourself up yeah. now? So yeah. you're not taken advantage of either emotionally, financially. You know, it just just make it easier. Planning always makes things better. <laughs> Change your passwords. Belief. Change your passwords. Plan your funeral. Those, those are my... <laughs> recommendations so funny yeah (laughs) death is interesting i've always been extremely morbid yeah well it's like i can't decide if we put too much meaning on it or like not enough yeah i just feel like a lot of the time society assigns the wrong meanings yeah like it shouldn't be scary and we shouldn't have to tiptoe around it but, like... But there should be some But gravity. don't be blasé about it. Like, it does yeah. matter when people die. <laughs> no, it's hard. That's one of my first... I remember my mom, like, found my... She looked at, like, my search history on my, like, personal computer or whatever because I was, mm-hmm. you know, young and had access to the internet. And she was like, what were you doing on Wikipedia looking at stages of decomposition? <laughs> and I was like, I just wanted to... Just I'm, curious. Yeah, I'm just curious. Like you want to, you want to be fed to bugs, right? Yeah, ideally, I, I donated to a body farm. Yeah, yeah. I want what is cheapest. <laughs> Use me to help solve murders. Yeah. Nothing's cheaper than donating your body to science. Is that a fact? I mean, it's free, so. That's true. Well, then I'm good with that. I guess you won't be paid. Sell Becca on the black market. I wouldn't mind that. Turn if a can profit. Take care of my kids. <laughs> Turn <laughs> a profit. <laughs> I'm not using this kidney anymore. What are you going to do? Write a story about it? It would be so cool if we could use the kidneys of dead people. Well, no, you can't. Organ donation, the person needs to be, like, either... Brain dead. Brain dead. Or, like, extremely recently deceased, right? Yeah. Yeah. It also depends on the organ. There's kind of a sliding scale for different, uh, like, tissue grafting and stuff, too. Right, 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 right. So interesting. Organ donation is crazy. That's actually the plot of, what is it, Seven Pounds. <laughs> I don't like that movie. No, it's, I watched it far too young. I watched it with my sister and one of her friends, and they were crying so much. And I was like, this is stupid. 
I like sobbed through the whole thing. I think I was also just in like a vulnerable also, spot like, already. Yeah, I did not realize like what was what the plot was. Well, because like, it's the, it's a twist basically. Yeah. Or at the end, it's like oh, he's dying and he's yeah. meeting everybody who he gives his organs away to. But it's like. It's so overwrought. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. I also have little patience for, like, most sad movies. Yeah, that's true. Which, I don't know. And that also, something we didn't really talk about, but I feel like I should mention, is it's okay to grieve differently from other people. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. Andrew, yeah. If I... It's just, like, even Becca and I, I don't know, we're pretty different people, but we're mm-hmm. culturally within very similar spheres. Yeah, and I think we have different views... On, like, with death, you were talking about, like, a lot of the time it's important for people to see the body of their loved one. No, not me. Couldn't do it. Which is, okay. I didn't, like, yeah. you have the, I feel and like I you feel have the like practical. I feel like I'm confident in that. I yeah. don't regret it at all. Because it was just a body. I didn't, I didn't need to see it. Maybe you're more of a Buddhist. Maybe I'm more of a Buddhist. But also, like, I feel like there's something to, like, you don't know until you experience it. Like, I have one grandpa who I didn't see and one grandpa who I saw. Mm-hmm. And I feel much more comfortable with the grandpa I saw. Right. I still have weird hang-ups about the one I didn't. And I just, right now, the data suggests that for me, that's important. It's so interesting. Yeah. It would be It would be nice if everybody were you standardized. Can be, <laughs> you can be, by the way, you can there was be... There an instruction manual for right? how to deal with death. You can be involved in the preparation of your loved ones as well. Mm-hmm. That's something your sister had talked about. That's something that helped her was helping your mom and your grandma make them look more like themselves. Like themselves. Yeah, just coming in as someone who knows someone and Yeah. It's a whole with the Victorian death kits, just like there's something helpful in being involved for some people. Yeah. That's it's okay. so weird and, and it's not it doesn't make you like I don't know, a dirty death pervert to right, want to, like, right. help dress your deceased family members. No. Or even just to come see them before they're entombed. That's fine. Right. Well, there's a reason why there are viewings yeah. at funerals. And some people go to the casket and some people don't. Right. Yeah. So weird. I feel like the end of most of our episodes is, like, everyone just be chill. Right. For sure. And do your research. <laughs> do your research. I feel like, oh, I just want our podcast to be like three hours long, but I do not ever have three hours of no. time. And we're also technically supposed to only record for two. Oh, you're right. Unless one of us wants to clock back in in the recording booth. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <sighs> now Death. I'm just thinking about my schedule. <laughs> it's also I'm like death is beautiful and interesting and you're like I have to go after. yeah death is beautiful and interesting I wish that sometimes I, like do I wish that people didn't die I no. think n- like no I don't wish that people didn't <laughs> die straight up I thought about it and was like mm, nope no it feels nice that there's an ending but I would like I think my ideal would be everybody gets a hundred years yeah, or make it a set value. Yeah. Yeah. If everybody could have the same amount of time. I wonder how different media would be. There would, uh, what do you, like, I like, don't know. I how guess different death would is conflict such a key be? part of most. Like, our ideas of conflict often come down to life or death. Yeah, if you've signed up for, like, a set amount of attachment. If everybody knows the score, how are things different? Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of stuff that like examines that, right? Or even just the well, whole like, like countdown idea. Society, basically, so there's the giver. People are gonna have issues with it, which I guess like without illness, is their health? 
without bad is there good without grief is there joy and it's like that none of these things are opposites i'm actually dead yeah i've been dead all along i don't think that i enjoy my life more because i've had really low lows yeah like i don't that's just not how it works no but that's just another interesting thing to think about i don't know (laughs) no it what makes a person but the sum of their experiences the sum of their experiences it is also death is just so interesting and i still mm-hmm. don't know how i feel about we it we could have a whole death podcast there is so right. much here there are yeah. death podcasts yeah there's actually a website called the good death mm-hmm. um, which if you want resources for like funeral planning or even just if you don't want to be entrapped by like the the death industry that's a good yeah. place to go well, like is life defined by death kind of yeah it's bookmarked by it. Right, exactly. And I just don't, I don't know if, because I feel like I'm a little bit more casual about it because I feel like I have the right to be because I have experienced a lot of, like, death of family members. First-hand and close loss. To me, first-hand yeah. loss. But that, and I, I think I would prefer that everybody be more okay with talking about it. It is exhausting to be the one telling people it's okay to talk about death like yeah that's all oh my goodness this is really not a funny episode no we had funny bits did we yeah i don't know i don't know well also there's a problem where you want to be respectful too exactly and it's like why do we need to be respectful of death sometimes it's funny it is funny well like elvis died on a toilet that's funny. That's pretty weird. It's inherently, there's, like, there's something there. And it's, I don't know. I very much am a, if I'm not laughing, I'm crying type. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I laugh because I'm so overwhelmed. I don't have, like, that. my brain just kind of goes, well, I guess it's funny, isn't it? Right. And, yeah, I don't know. I I don't mind that about myself. I actually quite like it. Uh-huh. So, like, meh, whatever. I'm actually a blindfolded corpse this whole time. I've been what dead. if you recorded blindfolded? How do you think that would change the dynamic? It's like going to those restaurants where it's all dark and you eat. I thought about going to those for five seconds, and then I considered the mouth sounds. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I was like, my mom was like, oh, because we're going to Vegas for Thanksgiving to sit in an Airbnb together and yeah. continue to be socially distanced. But she was like, oh, there's like this, you know, a blindfolded restaurant or whatever. And I was like, oh. And then I thought about it, and it was like, one, two. Oh, I don't think I could do that. Also, how much is it important that you see your fork? To me, very. Right. And also just like, I think if I focus too much on textures of food, that might be the end of my walk with healthy eating. Yeah, right. Because I'll just be like, no, food's that gross. That has been something that has been extremely like frustrating about eating. Mush about eating mush is that it's just not fun anymore <laughs> at the beginning it's kind of novel uh, yeah how much fun. pudding can one woman eat <laughs> i only had one pudding cup pudding not that good Yo, hot take pudding is so good pudding you're is wrong not that good. pudding mousse is where it's at. okay mousse is better oh dang i want mousse <laughs> where do you get some mousse canada ha <laughs> Is that it? Is that the end of this? <laughs> oh, don't re- do drugs. Review us on iTunes and uh, Becca will Venmo you, what, $3? Yeah, nobody has done it. It's literally free money. I haven't even done it. 
You haven't even done it. Okay, we gotta go. Bye.